Welcome to Wrestling Discussions. I'm your host, Ashley Janae, here to talk about WWE topics. Welcome to Wrestling Discussions, episode 11. I'm your host, Ashley Janae, and as usual, I want to thank God for blessing me to do another episode of Wrestling Discussions, and I want to thank all of the listeners for tuning in to today's episode. Before I get started, I would like to have a moment of silence for Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk. Thank you. So today's episode is going to be about Bray Wyatt, Terry Funk, and the 25-year career of Edge. So let's get into it. The first time I saw Bray Wyatt, it was back in 2010, and this is when NXT was on the rise, and he was involved in this group called the Nexus, and he was known as Husky Harris, and I remember the Nexus being a ruthless stable that was unstoppable at one point, and I did not like them either. (laughs) So they attacked a lot of superstars backstage, they attacked John Cena and the commentators, and they basically did whatever they wanted to do. So the group consisted of Wade Barrett, Daniel Bryan at one point, Darren Young, Skip Sheffield, a.k.a. Ryback, Michael Tarver, Justin Gabriel, Heath Slater, David Altonga, Michael McGillicuddy, and Mason Ryan. So in order for Bray to join a group, he had to uh, get hit with a belt three times on his back by David Otonga, Jason Gabriel, and Heath Slater. And CM Punk had also hit him multiple times. And that was how he got into the group. Then fast forward, the Wyatt family debuts. And as we all know, it was it consisted of Bray, Eric Rowan, and Luke Harper. And rest in peace to Luke Harper. And I remember watching the promos of the Wyatt family, and I'm like, okay, I think this might be be interesting. I just remember seeing a rocking chair moving back and forth, and no one was in it. And I'm like, damn, that's scary, but interesting. Then they finally debuted on Raw. The lights went out, and there was Bray walking out with a lantern, with uh, Eric and Luke walking slowly behind him. So Luke and Eric attack came and Bray was sitting in his rocking chair, holding his lantern, just watching all the action. Then the next week they attacked our uh, truth And again, Luke and Eric did all of the attacking. And Bray once again just watched while sitting in his rocking chair. And I just remember every time that theme song would play, I would get chills because I knew it was the Wyatt family. But I must say that Bray played his character to a T. And he definitely did an amazing job with that role. And you could tell he enjoyed playing that role as well. And I like how he will always end. Uh, I like I always like how he would laugh while talking to a superstar and will always laugh at the end. Then Daniel Bryan, a.k.a. Bryan Danielson, and Braun Strowman later joined the Wyatt family. He won the tag team titles with Randy Orton back in 2016. And he also won the titles with Luke Harper and Matt Hardy. Then he became solo and uh, won a WWE championship at Elimination Chamber in 2017. 
and he won uh and he won again at crown jewel 2019 then he won one more time to become a three-time wwe champion so i remember when bray went against randy Orton at wrestlemania 33 for the title and during that match there were pictures of maggots excuse me of maggots and worms that appeared in the ring and once randy noticed that he quickly got out of the ring and looked at bray like what are you doing what is going on here and then that was basically bray playing mind games with him and letting him know that this is my ring and i'm the champion even though bray didn't win that match you know that was still a great match uh, from beginning to end then i remember him going against the undertaker at wrestlemania 31 and after uh after this after the match he had with the undertaker and this is well i'm sorry this is at the time when the undertaker lost his streak at uh at last year's wrestlemania to brock lesnar so i was wondering throughout the match was bray going to beat the undertaker but but undertaker ended up winning the match at the end but i could tell that taker had developed respect for bray because he did give him a fight and it was still a great match hands down then i remember when he became the fiend and in my opinion that was the perfect gimmick for him to play to go along with bray wyatt with the bray with his bray wyatt character you know i just wish that bray was the fiend when he had went against the undertaker at at wrestlemania you know i think that match would have been way more interesting and entertaining and i also would have loved to see the fiend play mind games with the undertaker before mania and during the match at mania and it also would have been cool to see uh, them wrestle in the real light. You know, I think that would have been very interesting to see. Then I remember when he went against John Cena at WrestleMania 36. And I got to say that match was very entertaining because it was during the quarantine period. So when no one could go anywhere, so that match helped out a lot. And he also had the Firefly Funhouse gimmick to go along with playing the Fiend. You know, which was a genius move because we saw two sides of him, which made the gimmick even better. But overall, that match he had with Cena was a good match because he was playing mind games with Cena. And Cena went down uh, memory lane with his career by uh, reliving some of his historic moments. So the match was well put together, you know, ending the match with Bray being the fiend. Then I remember the Hell in the Cell match he had with Seth Rollins. And I got to say, that was one hell of a match. And it was very brutal, too. And he was uh, the fiend, too, in this match. And this happened at Hell in the Cell 2020. And that was a very intense match. And they wrestled in the red light. And the match came to an end when Seth had hit Bray with a sledgehammer while he had other objects on his face. So the ref uh, ended the match. And then he had the medical staff come out. And they tried to take uh, Bray out on the stretcher. But Seth wasn't wasn't having it. And then Bray gave Seth the sister Abigail, which was his finisher move. And then he had gave him the mandible claw, which made Seth uh, bleed. And then the show was over with. And all you heard was his laugh at the end. <laughs> then uh, I remember when uh, Bray, a.k.a. The Fiend, and Alexa Bliss worked together. And they started to terrorize Randy Orton. And then it led to a match with The Fiend and Randy at TLC 2020 in an Inferno match. And that did have a very crazy ending. <laughs> so please check that out on the Peacock app. 
uh, and then they eventually fought at WrestleMania 37. And this is when Alexa had betrayed Bray and Randy ended up beating him. Then earlier this year, he had made a return back to the main roster. And I must say that that was one of my favorite promos that he did because he was genuinely him. You know, he was emotional and then he opened up about a lot of struggles that he faced while he, while he was away from the WWE. And that was definitely a great promo because that was a side of him that we usually don't see. Then the last feud he would have was with L.A. Knight that led to a match at the Royal Rumble this year, and then which was a very interesting match because it was a full pitch black, a full pitch black match. So basically, it was a glow in the dark wrestling match where Bray did defeat L.A. Knight. So as I mentioned earlier, that Bray did earn the Undertaker's respect. And this showed on Monday Night Raw when they were celebrating 30 years. And it was when L.A. Knight was in the ring talking. Excuse me. And the Undertaker came out as American Badass Undertaker. And that was when Bray came out with his lantern. And Taker was choking L.A. Knight. And that was when Taker pushed L.A. to Bray. And Bray gave him the sister Abigail. And before Taker left the ring, he had whispered something to Bray. And that was a sign again that Taker had respect for Bray. And I could tell it was uh, something inspiring because Bray didn't even want to share it. He didn't want to share it with no one. Even when they asked him, he didn't want to share. So overall, Bray Wyatt was definitely a very gifted, talented third-generation athlete who was the grandson of Black Jack Mulligan and the son of Mike Rotunda, and he was the brother of Bo Dallas. You know, he has beaten the best in his career. He has so many great matches in the WWE that will never be forgotten. And he has some of the best gimmicks in the his, in, the, in WWE history, especially as The Fiend. And as we all know, it's Bray Wyatt. So I would definitely miss his interest music because it always gave me the chills. And then I'm going to miss the Wyatt family, the Lantern, the Sister Abigail, the Mandible Claw. And when he would turn his body upside down near the turnbuckle to get in the mind of his opponents, then I'm going to miss the Firefly Funhouse. And I'm going to miss that laugh you would hear at the end of his promo or match. And then, believe it or not, it's still a hard pill to swallow. And I'm still in shock about it because he was very young. And 36, as we all know, is not old. It, it's not old. It's very young. And this just goes to show you that you can uh, you cannot take anything for granted out here. You know, especially life, because you could be here today and gone the next day. So that's why it's so important to give thanks for another day and live your life to the fullest because we are only here temporary. And that was a very beautiful tribute that SmackDown and Raw put, toge put together for him. You know, it was definitely emotional, but it was also a celebration of his life and career as a WWE superstar. And, you know, you could tell he was loved by his peers, family, and fans, and that he will be sorely missed and never forgotten. But I definitely feel bad for his family. So my heart and prayers definitely, definitely go out to his family. You know, especially his children, because he was a father of four. And imagine what that was like telling the children the news, you know, and I'm sure that that was very difficult because his children are still very young. So I'm sure it was very hard to get them to understand the situation. 
So my heart and prayers definitely, definitely go out to his family and friends. So overall, Bray will be missed. And his legacy will forever live on in the WWE. So rest in peace to Wyndham Rotonda, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt. Terry Funk was definitely before my time, but I still want to have a discussion about him and to discuss some historic facts that I learned about him recently. I do know his father was Dory Funk Sr. and his brother was Dory Funk Jr. and they were also wrestlers. And he had a very unique hardcore wrestling style, so I guess he didn't have a problem with using chairs, candlesticks, tables, and etc. And I learned that he was from Hammond, Indiana and that he wrestled for over 10 different wrestling organizations. So he definitely had a lot of experience. He won various uh, he won, he won various titles with ECW, NWA, USWA, and he also won tag team titles with the NWA and WWF, along with his brother, Dory Funk Jr., and Kathis Jack, a.k.a. Mick Foley. And he won Field of the Year with Ric Flair back in 1989. And I also learned that he had a lot of comebacks. He returned to the WWF back in 1997 as Shane Saw Charlie. Then he returned to ECW back in 1998. Then he returned to WCW back in 2000. Then he went to the Indies. Then he went back... Uh, to, uh, then he went to NWA TNA back in 2004. Then he made a return to the to the WWE back in 2006. And then again, he had went back to the Indies. So I must say that Terry, Terry definitely had a long, successful wrestling career. And you could tell that wrestling was definitely his passion because he did it for many years. And I'm sure, hands down, he paved the way for many superstars from the past and for many superstars we see today. So he's definitely a legend. So back in 2009, he did get inducted in a, in, in, in a Hall of Fame alongside his brother, Dory Funk Jr., by the late great American Dream, Dusty Rose, who was also a Hall of Famer as well. Then he inducted, then he inducted Mick Foley in the 2013 Hall of Fame. And you could tell he had a lot of respect for Mick Foley because he gave him a lot of praise and they had history with one another. You know, they had a tag team match at WrestleMania 14 where they went against the Outlaws, which was def which uh, which was Road Dog and Billy Gunn in a dumpster match to win the tag team titles. So you would just have to throw both of your opponents in the dumpster, lock it, and you win the match. That's how they, that's how you do a dumpster match. So they did that and won the tag team titles. So there was uh, definitely a lot of a lot of history between those two, and I'm glad that. And I'm just glad that Terry was alive at the time to witness himself and his brother get inducted into the Hall of Fame and for Terry to induct Mick into the Hall of Fame as well. So basically, the WWE gave him his flowers before he passed, before he passed away, which was a plus because he definitely deserved it. And I also learned that he played in a lot of movies like Paradise Island, Over the Top, Time Stalkers, Roadhouse, 
Mom, Can I Keep Her, Act of Steph, Friday Night Lights, and The Ringer. And he also appeared in various TV shows as well. So overall, Terry had a very long, successful, inspiring career. And he would definitely be missed and never forgotten. And my heart and prayers go out to his family and friends. So rest in peace to the Hall of Famer, Terry Funk. So now I want to talk about the Rated R Superstar. As we all know, it's Edge. I must say that Edge is definitely a legend, and that explains why he's a Hall of Famer as well. You know, he's definitely beaten the best in his 25-year career, and I will always be a huge fan of him as well. You know, I've been watching him wrestle since I was 10, going on 11, and I must say it's always been a joy watching him wrestle and giving people the spear. And he's the reason why TLC matches and ladder matches exist alongside with Christian, the Hardy Boys, and the Dudley Boys. And I will never forget WrestleMania 17 when he speared Jeff Hardy in the air off that off the ladder. You know, that will always be a a, a, a forever historic moment at WrestleMania 17 and uh in Edge's career. And then uh, Edge and Christian uh, had other historic TLC matches, like at um, SummerSlam 2000, and then they had a table, and then a tables match at Royal Rumble 2000 against the Dudleys. So Edge is definitely one of the reasons why TLC the ladder matches exist. Uh, one of my favorite matches uh, would have to be at SummerSlam 2004 when he went against Chris Jericho and uh, Batista in a triple threat match for the IC title. You know, the reason why that was my favorite match was because, number one, that was my first ever pay-per-view that I had watched with my brother, and I was looking forward to that match, and he was in his hometown of Toronto, Canada, and then and won the match with the spear retaining the title. And that was a very great match, too. And I think that was one of the best matches in the, um, in the match card, too. And then I remember when uh, he won the first ever Money in the Bank ladder match at WrestleMania 21 back in 2005. You know, that was, bare, that was definitely a great match that was very entertaining and brutal. You know, you had Shelton Benjamin, you had Kane, Christian, Chris Jericho, and et cetera in the match. And then uh, I had remember when he had cashed in his Money in the Bank contract at New Year's Revolution 2006 after John Cena won the Elimination Chamber match. And I must say, that was when I didn't like Edge no more because Cena was my favorite at the time. And to see Edge beat him like that, I was mad, shocked, and disappointed because I had really wanted to see Cena stayed a champ for a while. So the next night on Raw, Edge and Lita decide to have a live sex celebration. So um, I happened to miss that episode because I was out. So the next day at school, <laughs> my friend was like, girl, did you see what happened on Raw last night? And I was like, no, I missed it. Then she said, Edge and Lita had it. And I'm like, what you mean it? She was like, Ed Shalita had it. And I'm like, oh, wow, not on national TV. And I remember being mad because I missed it. 
So I decided to watch AM Raw. <laughs> and AM Raw used to come on local channels at around 12 a.m. or 1 a.m. And I had it. And I had to wait until Saturday going into Sunday. So almost a week had went by. I, that was when, how long I had to wait just to watch Edge and Lita handle business. And that was before I had internet. So I was SOS for a few for a few days. And then, so when uh raw raw when AM raw had came on, all I saw was the lights out, bed in the middle of the ring, Edge and Lita taking off their clothes. They all in the bed, and that was when Ric Flair came out and uh got beat up by Edge. And then that's when Cena came out and beat up Edge and chased him out the ring. Then he gonna f you, uh, Lita. And I was like, wow. And to this day, that's like one of the most watched Monday Night Raw moments. And that was how Edge became the rated R superstar. Then I remember when Edge slapped uh, John Cena's dad. And I was like, no, he didn't. All I saw, <laughs> I'm laughing already. All I saw was his glasses fly off his face and hit the wall. <laughs> then he landed on the couch and on the floor. And then Edge stepped off, stepped on the couch and then left like it wasn't nothing. And then I remember when Cena got some pain. <laughs> Got some payback on Raw after he slapped his dad. After he slapped his dad, and I bet you Edge ain't do that no more. And that was funny as hell, and still to this day a classic Edge moment. Then I remember when Rated RKO got together, which was him and Randy Orton as a stable, and they was an and they was an interesting stable. I ain't gonna lie. And they mixed their theme songs together. And one uh, as one, which was cool, and at least they had became the tag team champions, which was good. Then I remember when Edge and Lita tried to get married, but Kane ended up crashing the wedding, and then he had did the tombstone power driver on the priest, and I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> and then and it was funny how Edge and Lita was looking at the Kane tombstone the priest. It's like they had a I can't believe he did this moment look on on his face. <laughs> then. Then he had a great match with uh, The Undertaker at WrestleMania 24 for the World Heavyweight Championship. Then I remember when uh, he had a storyline with Vicky Guerrero. And that was when he had formed the La Familia with, uh, with Vicky, Kurt Hawkins, Zack Ryder, and Chavo Guerrero Jr. Then I remember he had, pro he had proposed to Vicky. And he and he uh, and then he cheated on her by kissing Alicia Fox, who played the wedding planner. And Triple H was the one to reveal it all on SmackDown. And Vicky was like, "How dare you? How dare you?" <laughs> and it was too funny too. And then I don't even think. And, and I think they uh, the the wedding didn't happen because he didn't know how to stay faithful. <laughs> then uh then he won the 2010 Royal Rumble and would go on to WrestleMania and to go on to Mania to uh go against Chris Jericho. Then the next year he faced Alberto Del Rio at Mania to retain his title. Then in April 2011, he had to unfortunately retire from wrestling you know, due to injury. And that was a very sad moment for me to watch because at this point, I had became a huge fan of Edge. And to see him go like that was hard, but I understood why he was doing it. And he also relinquished the title that same night on SmackDown. So I remember I remember that like it was yesterday. And I knew that wrestling wasn't going to be the same without hearing You Think You Know Me 
seeing him run both edges of the uh in seeing him run to both edges of the entrance ramp and seeing someone get speared then that very next year he got inducted into the hall of fame by christian you know which was a very special moment because even though he did come back he was still well deserving of going to the hall of fame because he earned it hands down because look at what he put his body through for all those years and he was definitely deserving of it and then nine years later at the royal rumble um at the royal rumble 2020 at number 21 he came in at number 21 and all i heard was uh you think you know me you think you know me and i'm like are you serious <laughs> because i had no clue that he was coming back at the royal rumble now all i heard because and i did hear a lot of rumors that he was cleared to wrestle you know i just didn't know when he was gonna uh return but seeing him walk through that curtain in his wrestling gear was a shock and i could see oh he was very emotional as well you know, because he was trying his best not to cry, but at that moment, who wouldn't cry? So seeing him make a return after ten year after ten year hiatus says a lot. It definitely says that anything is possible. You know, just because your life is not going the way you want it to go doesn't mean your situation can't get better in the future. So once he entered the ring during the rumble, he still had it. It's like he didn't miss a beat. It still felt like it's, it didn't feel like he was out of action for almost a decade, you know? So that's what made the return so memorable and special. And ever since his return, he has been doing a lot of mentoring, which is great. You know, he's mentored Damian Priest, Rhea Ripley, Finn, ba Finn Balor, Dominic Mysterio, and he's the reason why uh, Judgment Day was formed. And I also like the fact that he's making the most, excuse me, and I like the fact that he's making the uh, most out of his comeback by having a storyline with Randy Orton. Now, they used to team up together, so it was cool to see them, to see Edge come back and have a feud with him. You know, I thought that was a good idea. And then uh, he had uh, a storyline with Judgment Day when they turned their back on him. And he had another storyline involving Beth Phoenix in the storyline with him to challenge the Miz and Maurice and Maurice at the uh, Royal Rumble and etc. So then 25 years later, he recently had a phenomenal match against the Celtic warrior Sheamus, who inspired Edge to make a comeback. And believe it or not, I would love to see a rematch with those two, but because that's how great that match was. But you know what? Um, Edge overall, Edge had a ha had a great twenty five year career with the WWE, and it has been such a joy as a fan to watch him develop into the superstar and now Hall of Famer that he is today. And if that was his last match ever against Sheamus, then that's all right because he has nothing else to prove. In my opinion, I'm sure he's accomplished everything he wanted to accomplish in the WWE. And then for him to make a, a comeback to finish up his journey says a lot. You know, it says that he completed the last chapter in his career. So now it's like he could kick back, relax, and enjoy being with his family because he owes it to himself. That's going to do it for Wrestling Discussions, episode 11. I hope I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I hope I was able to bring you all back down memory lane. 
And episode 12 will be coming out soon. So please be on the lookout for that. And if you all are interested, I have some merchandise on my website. And I will leave the link in the description box. And also please go to wweshop.com to purchase any merchandise to support Bray Wyatt. And go to etsy.com or prowrestlingtees.com to, sh- to support Terry Funk. I'm sure that um, that will be appreciated by their families. And you all can also go to wweshop.com to purchase merchandise to support Edge's 25-year career. You all can follow me on Instagram at BlueShades1993, Twitter at AshleyJanae93, and Facebook at AshleyJanae. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Stay safe and God bless you all.